prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Corey Hawkins on Shakespeare and musicals. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Happy New Year, guys. Sorry for the delay. If you if you listen to the podcast and you're like, wait, every Tuesday or Wednesday the podcast comes up and you're like, what happened? Josh is slacking off. It's the New Year, guys. Things are a little slow as we come back. But trust me, there's so much coming up. There are so many really exciting guests that I want to tell you about that I'm not going to tell you about just yet. But suffice it to say, woo, good Good stuff coming your way. Um, and we're starting it off with a, a great conversation with an actor that I've had my eye, eye on for a while. So talented, Corey Hawkins. You probably first saw him as Dre in Straight Outta Compton, but since then has really been mixing it up in a fantastic way, doing a lot of stage work, um, TV, film, Kong Skull Island to Six Degrees of Separation. Like, it's a very varied resume, and that nothing speaks to it more than the two films he's had out in the last few months. In the Heights, he was Benny, he was fantastic and charming and charismatic and all the, the, the things you want out of a, a leading man in a movie musical. Uh, just killed it in that and showed off a new side of him. And now, speaking of new sides of him, you get to see him do some full-on Shakespeare opposite no less than Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington in The Tragedy of Macbeth. This is an adaptation written and directed by Joel Cohen. Now, guys, I mean, the Cohen brothers are there. They are the top of the mountain for me. I worship at the altar of the Cohen brothers. This is Joel Cohen's first solo outing as a filmmaker. So I was very curious. Uh, I highly recommend this one. Of course, it's, you know, you may think, oh, this is a change of pace, A, because it's just Joel, B, because it's Shakespeare. You'll see when you see it, the themes are actually very resonant with a lot of their work. Um, and it is just exceptional acting from start to finish. A really unique, uh, kind of fun, cool production design approach to shooting this. It's in gorgeous black and white. Um, check it out on Apple TV Plus. And, uh, you know, as I said, you got Denzel and Francis at the, as the leads, but you also have folks like Corey Hawkins and the haunting Catherine Hunter, who's getting some. Uh, awards attention as well, and justifiably so. Um, this is a great chat with Corey. Um, I just uh, haven't really ever had a chance to, to get to know him like this, and um, you know, you'll be charmed by him five minutes in. Uh, good head on his shoulders, um, just so talented, and 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 whatever. Just clearly a good guy. So very happy for him and all his success, and a lot of cool stuff, by the way, in the future to come for him. He's going to go off to shoot the Color Purple movie, the musical movie adaptation of that soon. So um, continued success to the great Corey Hawkins. Um, other things to mention? I don't know. Let's see. 2022. Here we are. Um, I don't know about you. I spent some of the holidays catching up on TV. I mean, I've seen you know most of the big award stuff right now, film-wise, but I took the break to really watch a lot of TV. Um, I loved, I, I, you know, I had Mackenzie Davis on for a brief chat on the podcast recently, but at that time, I'd only seen the first two or three episodes of Station Eleven. Now I think I'm through seven or eight. I'm really loving that one. I'm watching Yellow Jackets right now, guys. Highly recommend that. Uh, and then I caught up on the stuff that everybody's seen. I saw the new season of Succession and Cobra Kai and um, Curb. So, um, yeah, this was a good opportunity to catch up on some of the great TV out there. Oh, I finally saw Squid Game. I'm the last guy on the planet to see Squid Game. It was good. That's my review. It was really good. <laughs> uh, I dug it. Um, disturbing stuff, but I guess I'm a disturbing guy. What can I say? Okay. 
um, let's go right into our first conversation of 2022. Uh, this is me and the exceptionally talented uh, Corey Hawkins, a man with a bright, bright future. Uh, again, check out The Tragedy of Macbeth on Apple TV+. Plus. Check out In the Heights if you haven't already. And at the very least, check out this great chat. Here's me and Corey. It is my distinct pleasure to welcome Mr. Corey Hawkins to Happy Second Fused. Uh, big fan of your work, man. Thanks for taking the time today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. Good to be with you, man. So, um, look, when you when you when you hire Corey Hawkins, you get a lot. You get the song and dance man. You get Shakespeare. There's a big there's a big skill set to call upon, and it's all demonstrated in the last year of work that we've seen. Uh, uh, congratulations on not just like the body of work, but just the the diverse kind of work we've seen this past year it must you must take like a special pride in like you've shown many facets of what you can do in the last year to people well i i feel like um part of it is the is just trying to prove to myself that i can do it like you know a lot of it is especially with the singing and the dancing i was <laughs> i was you know i was nervous i mean a lot of people didn't know that i sang and didn't know that i you know could move um <laughs> You know, and then they put me on the side of a building in 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 a film and and said, "Do your best, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers." And and so, um, but it's it's a it's a joy to like go from that to you know the stage, and then go from that to you know doing a play on film um, or an adaptation of a play on film, you know, with Macbeth. And I just you know, for me, I appreciate um, the the sort of uh, being able to stretch, man, and, and just do different stuff. And so again, surprise myself. Yeah. Cause that's like, I'm the biggest critic, you know, up in my, in my head. So, um, you know, and just keep doing stuff. I love, I never trust the folks that aren't self-critical though. Those are the ones, those, <laughs> those are the scary ones that like, Oh yeah, I got this totally. No. Yeah. The, the oh. people who are like, that's it. Yeah. That's no problem. I'm like, mm, okay. But not to be nervous. Yeah. 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 Um, and not only that though, but like, just like hanging with, the heavyweights in every respect, whether it's it's Lin Manuel Miranda and, and, and John Chu, who's exceptional at that kind of filmmaking, and mm-hmm. and Denzel and Francis and Joel. I mean, this is this is it. You know, you're spoiling yourself. You're setting the bar high for 2022 and beyond, which I guess is what you want to do. But it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be a tough yeah, act just, to follow. That's a, I yeah, I told my reps that too. I was like, <laughs> you know, my my thing is like, again, it's just finding projects and people that I love and people that I enjoy being around. And another thing is like, not only am I working with these legends, but the people that are in front of me, the Denzels and the Francis and the Joels, like, and Lynn, John Chu, these are people who put themselves outside of their comfort zones um, purposefully right. and to, to sort of see, you know, and, and especially with Denzel and Francis and Joel, I, 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 they don't have to do what they're doing you know they could literally put it down and hang it up and and would still be considered in my opinion you know the some of the greatest artists of our time yeah denzel can do 12 more equalizer films and just retire on that like he has nothing like (laughs) exactly exactly but d won't do that like that's the crazy thing is that he will continue and he you know he talks to me about this all the time is like working with directors and artists that you trust you have to trust the pilot you have to every time we get on the plane you would implicitly trust the pilot you know you don't think about it and so it just it and he trusts that the pilot is going to tra- uh, challenge him to go to even further heights you know in his career yep. and so that's what it was for me too it was like 
I got to trust these creatives who I'm putting myself in the room with and, and decide if, if I want to spend not only time working together, but then you got to talk about the film, you know, right. and you want to be proud of it. So, yeah. It's, it's a great rule of thumb that you kind of allude to. And I, I, this comes up a lot in conversations with actors and filmmakers over the years is like, I always look back to you, like the, the folks that I kind of grew up with, like, you know, like the big movie star of my childhood among many was like Tom Cruise. And if you look at Tom mm. Cruise and you look at and you kind of study his career, he like yeah. associated himself with like Scorsese and Oliver Stone. And just like yeah. in, in that prime period, went yeah. after filmmakers and even like a decade or 15 years later we'll get what leo's done leo scorsese and like every the, the top like just surround yourself with smart people and they're going to make you look great if you if you've got the chops just surround yourself with people that have the chops so yeah yeah people who are going to literally you know who who are going to challenge you like that's the thing it's like you know, and, and then people that you just like being around where there's a yeah. shorthand. And that's the great thing with Joel is that he, he, he keeps the same people around him, same actors, same, you know, troop. And, and that's sort of what, what it's about is sort of finding, um, finding a troop, you know, and yeah. finding, finding the people who, um, who speak the same, who speak the same language and want the same things out of the art that you're creating that you want, you know? So, so since we have the luxury of time, let's go back a little bit to your, uh, to your beginnings. Um, in your family, are you the unicorn? Are you the, the latest in a line of people that pursue the arts? Like where, where do you fit into the scheme of things? I'm a bit of a, I want to say unicorn because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, do, I'm doing the thing. Um, but I would say my family is a very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> Whether they're being paid for it or not, they're dramatic. Whether they're being paid for it or not, um, they'll they'll give you one hundred percent, always, and and uh, and and the good and the bad, of course, is with every family. Um, I, and I love them. I mean, my grandmother, she, you know, she has a lot of brothers and sisters, and they all grew up singing. And so I grew up hearing, you know, these, you know, they'd be the trio over here and the quartet over here, and at holidays they'd be singing battles and and you know with gospel music or whatever you know that was. So. I grew up with creative people around me, you right. know, um, but also my grandfather was a pragmatic, like he was very, you know, it, it still is very, you know, um, not strict, but, but I would say, you know, he was the tough one, you know what I mean? He reminded me that, yeah, that's all well and good. Um, but get your butt to school and, and right. get your grades up and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it sounds like you're, Definitely, like we all are a product of both sides in a way. Yes, I mean you've got the obviously the artistic chops and interest, but um, there is a, a pragmatism. Anybody that goes to Juilliard is not like just like you know they're serious about it. They're like they've got a they've got a plan. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. Shit, I mean, I, sorry, I'm not. No, you can I hope curse. so. Okay. I'm, I'm 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 like you know you spend that much time and, and energy pouring into something that um, you know when you graduate may not pour back into you. You know, yeah. and that's the it's a huge risk and gamble to take. And, um, you know, it, it, it definitely paid off for me. And I'm not talking about just, you know, success in that sense, but paid off for me in terms of like, I found a passion and I found yeah. being able to express myself in ways that, um, that, that feeds me and hopefully, you know, feed someone else if, if that art speaks to them, you know? 
So. I think the first time I think I actually saw you was was on stage. Actually, I saw the the Romeo and Juliet production um, oh, uh, here wow. in New York. <laughs> I saw I saw Orlando Bloom come out on stage on a motorcycle. On a uh, motorcycle with <laughs> fire and sand and and birds flying around. It was uh, it was an interesting production. Yes, it was. It was. Um, but I, I guess my point my point I was trying to make was like you love theater clearly like this you're, you're a creature of the theater you've done a lot of it in your career and i'm curious like did that was that something that you came to as you kind of found your path or was that like were you exposed to theater growing up or did it only kind of come after you started to to study it and realize like this is this is a home for me i think it um i knew what it was but we didn't grow up going to the theater because because and, and i grew up in dc and there was a lot of good theater in, in in Washington DC even at the time and a lot of good great theater artists who came out of there um uh, at that time but I wasn't um that just wasn't where my focus was I just sure. didn't know about it I wasn't exposed to it I didn't know Shakespeare I didn't know the classics by the time I went to high school I did go to an arts high school that's when I really started to understand what it was but performing again was still sort of at school you know yeah. it was Duke Ellington, that huge, you know, that performing arts mecca, you know, and and I was surrounded with a lot of people who looked like me. So not only were we artists at the time doing the thing, but we were artists who came from the same parts of the city and different parts of the area. And and we all looked the same, you know, so we were all in it together. And classics for us wasn't necessarily Chekhov or Moliere or, you know, O'Neill or Shakespeare. It was, you know, everything from, you know, uh, Hansberry to, to, you know, uh, even Dick Gregory, like we would like, like, you know, just that far, um, into sort of things that, um, that just sort of spoke to us and right. who we were. So it wasn't until I left then, and I was like, Oh wait, you know, it, it, it even took a year after I didn't go straight out of high school to GPR. Um, so it took a year after to sort of fall into it and say, you know what, maybe I can, make this my life maybe i can follow this path and and see where it takes me you know so what was the initial prior to juilliard as i understand it you did go out to la mm -hmm. and was mm -hmm. the plan just like i'm gonna see if i can do pilots or do whatever or just kind of like like what did you have like a sync plan or was it sort of just haphazard well that was that was, was kind of my sneaky plan but the 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 i ended up going to college because of course my grandfather was like I want you to be one of the first, you know, the first graduate in this of college, you know? And so I was like, okay, well then I'm going to go to a college in Los Angeles. <laughs> and that's a little more free and Got liberal it. and, yeah. you know, and, and, and so that was my thing. And, and I ended up uh, realizing quickly um, that that wasn't where my path was supposed to lead me uh, for several reasons. Um, and I also just think I was too young, too far away from home um to really appreciate what that place and at the time was giving me and i told everybody i was just crazy i was just like you know what i'm gonna just audition for juilliard and I'm gonna put all all my eggs in one basket and go for it because that's how much i believe in myself and in my talent and i'm gonna spend the money to fly up and go do this and, and audition and you know and and put it out there and if when you do that the universe really does, and i believe this like the universe shapes around um uh, what your goals are and, and you just got to continue pushing that forward. You know, that must be as pivotal as I think about it, as you describe that as pivotal a moment in your life as any uh, getting any gig is getting the letter or call that you're in, in Juilliard, because I mean, 
people know, I mean, people that listen to this podcast probably know like just how exclusive we're talking about and like just how yeah. I've talked to, you know, many an actor, whether it's like Chastain or Oscar Isaac or Anthony yeah. Mackie, you know, I mean, it's, it's Adam, it's, Dr- yeah, all Adam Driver. It's where you want to be. Um, yeah. Do you remember getting in? Was it a moment? Was it a validation? I remember the spot I was standing in, in the parking lot. I remember I was in the parking lot of my, of the college that I was at. And I didn't have a car. I was just out there walking around because I, I missed the call. And then I was like, oh, God, you know, I got to get away because I don't want to be around people when I find out that I didn't get in. Right. Um, and and I got the I got the call. And I and I remember all of the people who told you know, how you hear people. Oh, everyone told you you wouldn't do it. You, people literally told me that I wasn't going to get in because it is a very um challenging program it's a hard program thousands and thousands of kids audition um to get into that program and they only accepted uh, my year was the first time they only accept 18 at first it was bigger and then they cut the number down and so that was even more of a, like reason i was like oh, well take a shot and yeah. and i remember that i remember it vividly i saw the path there were like two parallel paths and i was like this is the path. And if I stay on this path, that's okay. That's okay. But I know if I get into Juilliard, I can, that's going to, you know, and so it, uh, thinking back on it, I'm, I'm, I'm just, had I not taken that chance, yeah. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. That's like, I wouldn't be where I am. Or maybe I would, and it'd just be a different version of that. But, um, you know, talk about fate and, and everything that sort of aligns. Did it suit you? Did Juilliard suit you? Because again, it's a rigorous program. It's not for the it's not for everybody. It isn't. It isn't. And it wasn't my very first year. It wasn't. It, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, me and a few a few of my classmates who were in my class at the time, we just did not like first year at all. <laughs> and and it was not because of our teachers. It was it was just the work, the the kind of work. I mean, we were grown. We thought we were grown uh, adults, you know, rolling around on floors, you know, Right. pretending to be animals like i was yeah. like what am i doing yeah. <laughs> like what is going on and and you know when you look back on it it was that ultimately ended up changing for me i think after my second year i realized how all of that specificity and craziness and quirkiness plays a role in 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 the rest of the training and right. how you can always call on that even subconsciously, unconscious, whatever that is, um, and and it was a new level of appreciation for that part of training, um, and just the idea of training too. It's like, ah, what are we working towards? Is it, you know, what, what are we doing here? Well, not to and, mention, I know, like they also correct me if I'm wrong. They uh, they don't they don't want you doing work like outside of Juilliard during the program and you must just be chomping at the bit you're in new york you're in the heart of it all you're like i, yes, I got yeah. into juilliard i got i got the stuff <laughs> i got the raw material let me let me out of the yeah let me out of the bench well, you, that's so right man you see you sort of start to see like you're seeing all these great shows all these incredible plays um you're rubbing shoulders with the greats i mean i remember in that time in my first year meeting cicely tyson and like just, you know, being able to be surrounded with all of these legends and, you know, Felicia Rashad and, you know, the Wilson vet, August Wilson vets. And I just remember, man, like, I was like, oh, I'm chomping at the bit, but also first years reminded me that maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Because once you get into the program, you realize, and you never audition for any roles while you're there too. They just cast you. 
<laughs> which was weird. And I was like, okay, sure, go with the program because they want to push you outside of things that you feel right for. Right. Pu- again, pushing you out your comfort zone. And so that was great for me. And then, and then, um, yeah, just being able to, um, you, you realize all the things that you, you, you don't know. And, and, and so it sort of puts the brakes on it a little bit, you know, the outside world. And then you go, okay, I see the process. I see what's ahead. I see what the, okay. And now I'm ready to graduate and step into freshman year of life, you know? So you get the freshman year of life. You've got this degree, you've got the degree under your belt. Um, still a couple of years before Compton, but the, the big break straight out of Compton. Yeah. And in yeah. that time frame, you do you do Broadway, do Romeo and Juliet, you do I believe mm-hmm. you do the Liam Neeson film, you do the bit in Iron Man three. Yeah. So you're working. <laughs> yeah. Like, are like where are you at in your head? Are you up for big things? Are you kind of not even getting in the room for the big stuff yet, or, or what? No, I was I was I knew the casting directors in New York. That's the other thing is like knowing casting directors and 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 just you know becoming fans of theirs and then becoming fans of yours. And right. and that's the great part about being in New York. Right. So, so there was that. And then also there was just a lot of off Broadway um, work. And the great part about Juilliard is that we knew they bring in a lot of directors from the outside in New York who want to work with Juilliard students or who want to get experience. And those directors and writers who we work with are out in the world. I'm talking Sam Gold, who I work with, you know, in Juilliard. And, you know, I wasn't thinking much of it, but, but, you know, I realized the genius that was there talking Katori Hall, you know what I mean? And, and Hurt Village, that was one of my first plays out of school, having right. workshopped it at Juilliard. And so, you know, just hitting the boards and then also, you know, still bagging groceries at the, at the grocery store and trying to like pay the rent and living in a $350 a month uh, uh, apartment, um, which was really a five bedroom, fr- felt like a frat house <laughs> with rotating characters. Uh, and you know, three hundred fifty dollars a month in the middle of Harlem. You can imagine what that what that gets you. <laughs> so it was. Uh, which, by the way, I ne- I didn't leave it even until after Compton came out. So wow. like, I-, I was like, I'm holding <laughs> on to this. <laughs> like, you know, it's a little uh, yeah. So so um, jumping ahead to Compton to to shooting that one, which um, you know, it's just a clearly just a charmed production, a very special kind of production. Um, a unique production, though, for obviously for, for many reasons, uh, not only you're yeah. playing Dre, but Dre is, as I recall, producer on it, very actively involved in it. Yeah. On yeah. set, I would imagine a fair yeah. amount. I can't think of many more intimidating ways to shoot a role than to have Dre watching you play him. <laughs> Man, he was there every day. And like, <laughs> like take and, a break. You can take a day off. Yeah, I was like, you know, come on, man. Like, you know, but I mean, every day, just in terms of from production, that's how much he cared about this story, him right. and Cube. And Cube, even when he wasn't able to be there because he was shooting in Florida, I remember they had him on a computer Come on. W- with his face, <laughs> like just sitting there and he was just watching. And I just was like, man, like mad respect, like to these guys who believe in a legacy and want that story to be told and told well and told right. And also Dre was literally in the, you know, press at the time for everything he was doing and, and with Apple and with Beats. And um, and so it was, it was really, it was really special, man. Like I was, I was like just blessed to, to be able to step into that. And prior to that, you know, all the producers were like, well, you know, we got this trained Juilliard actor coming in to, you know, and, and it's, it's crazy how sometimes, 
Um, and it wasn't Dre or Cuban that like they believed in me. You know what I mean? They they believed in and wanted all of us to to succeed. It was the suits, you know. It was everyone else who who has opinions about you know the boxes that that actors should be placed in. And I love being an underdog, so I love being able to be like, okay, I'm gonna show you better than I can tell you. You know. Did did it change things noticeably very quickly after the box office and the critical reception? Did you suddenly find yourself in different kinds of rooms and different kinds of meetings? I think so. I think so. And it's funny how that works. You know, you become an overnight sort of success. I mean, relatively speaking, it is, right. you know, a few years out of school, it is overnight. You know, let's not kid myself. Um, but <laughs> um, but I look at it as a marathon. And so um, while it came really quickly, uh and, and everything changed. I mean, I, I, like I couldn't walk into a room in L.A. or a restaurant in L.A., you know, without, you know, having that that sort of thing. And and for all of us, we weren't used to it, that fame and, and that quickly. And um, it took some grounding. And thankfully, you know, like I said, my friends, my family, we're all very grounded folks. And, you know, they'll, they'll remind you real quick where you come from. So. You know, but it was, but it also, it opened doors because it allowed me to say a lot of things did start to come in, but I'd always been picky anyway. So even when I was living in that $350 apartment, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to go do that series or that. (laughs) My agents were like, God, just take the job <laughs> take the job you know um but they were along for the ride with me so they trusted and believed in and that we you know but being choosy and, and cautious about the things that you put out into the world yeah that was important for me at the time and so i was like yeah man like that that's let's see where this takes us but I, i'm not interested in the quick quick up and up to the top path you know i'm, I'm curious and I, I yeah i mean it's it's funny to see just how you've navigated all of this. Cause yeah, then I think of like, I guess the first like big quote unquote big scale kind of filmmaking you were part of was a supporting role in Kong Skull Island, which yeah, seems yeah. like, and I, I know some folks that were involved in that and it sounded like a bit like a production, like a, like a kind of a mad production in some ways to reflect a little bit of the vibe of the film. Uh, Jordan's an interesting character, the, the filmmaker I know. Well, yeah, what, yeah. Um, I don't know. What are the, what are the first recollections when you think of like being halfway around the world, shooting something like that with that company of actors? Well, I got to do it with my brother, Jason, who was on Compton with me. So that was fun. Again, like we, all I remember that process was just fun. It was my first time going overseas. It was my first time really like, you know, you know, working with uh, uh, Sam Jackson, who's like my uncle, you know, (laughs) uncle now, you know, um, uh, Jordan, you know, I we enjoy. I enjoyed the process. I mean, we had we had a great great time, but it was a complicated, incredibly complicated shoot. But the film ended up being really really cool. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, but it was something that again, you know, sometimes it's like the one for me, one for them, whatever that means. Right. But really, it was again the cast, like Sam Jackson. I'm playing John Goodman's mentee. You know, so I'm I'm rocking with John Goodman. Um, uh, who was great because I got to talk to him again about working with Joel and, and on on oh, like sure. that. it was yeah. just really cool to stay you know keeping in contact with him. But um, yeah, like that John C. Riley. I mean, Bree Larson, Tom Hiddleston. You know, I mean, it was just it was like whoa, like here's a troop of people, and the character was really cool and different from what I did in Compton. You know, this like nerdy, intelligent uh, guy who you know 
comes up with the theory, hollow earth theory <laughs> for Kong. I mean, like for King Kong and Godzilla, like he originated that. Now thinking back on it, I'm like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Um, but, you know, at the time it was just fun and it was a, a good time. And, and I did learn, I will say F. Gary Gray taught us how to be leading men. You know, he gave us, I know, you know, those were bigger films afterwards, but um, Compton gave us the confidence that we needed to step into a room full of people who don't look like us and, and feel comfortable being collaborators in a process mm. and, and watching F. Gary Gray work and how he works, his specificity, um, because pe- I don't think people understand the, the craft that he put into that film. You know, sometimes you see a film like Compton, you're like, oh, that's just easy. That comes to them. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's, 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 hard. that's work and sweat. And, and so I'm just, I'm thankful to him for giving me that opportunity. Cause then I could take that to Kong. I could take that to whatever role yeah. after, you know, he's, he's, he's one of those filmmakers that I think is underrated. He'll get the filmography. You're like, Oh, he, he kind of can do anything. Like he can kind of make any kind of movie, <laughs> bro, bro, like anything. And he has like, that's yeah. the thing, the scale, you know, and the people he's worked with, Oh man, it was just, uh, I was like, you know, it, but anytime I'm in a process, I'm always like, I forget, like, I kind of forget that, like, I'm working with these, like, incredible right. people, you know, but that's a comment more on them, because that's the kind of environment they set, you know. So let's talk a little bit more about the 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 two projects that have come in the last year. We kind of alluded to them and talked a little bit about them already. Mm-hmm. But let's dive a little deeper, because they're both worthy of it. Um, in the Heights, I, I thought it was extraordinary. John Chu, the filmmaker, has been on the podcast a couple of times, and I'm just such a fan of his work, and clearly just, like, poured his heart and soul into this. Um you kind of, it must've yeah. been a little bit agonizing. I mean, look, I, obviously there are bigger issues in the last couple of years we've all dealt with, but you guys were sitting on this for so long. You shot this a couple of years back. You knew it was, yeah. you had to feel that in your heart. Did it feel like anticlimactic by the time it came out or did it feel cathartic? Like what, what do you recall of like finally this past summer releasing it out into the world? And I, it was so well received and I know the box office maybe wasn't what everybody wanted, but just give me your postmortem yeah. on, on where in the Heights sits with you now. Um, Postmortem for me implies that it's it's sort of you know it's not gone. I feel it's like that long term right? yeah, you know what I mean <laughs> it lives it for lives. me <laughs> I just like like let's analyze the body no no, 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 I, no. I, I, I feel like I feel like for me it um it 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 still like you know it lives on in such a beautiful way and yeah. and it lives on you know the fact that you could bring that and then bring it inside people's homes in a time when you know, we needed that vaccine shot of hope and joy, you know, like we needed to breathe and see people dancing and outside on a screen, even if we're home on a screen yeah. watching it. Um, and it came at like such a, um, you know, we, we had been sitting on, it was like a little baby. We were like, ah, and then it, you know, got postponed, but again, and nothing trumps what we, what we went through these past two years. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. that's the sort of reminder, but the beautiful part again about what we do is like, I got to be a part of something special that represented a culture that even I didn't know much about. Like, and I lived in the Heights at one point, you know, growing, growing up in New York. So I was like coming up in New York. So I was like, it was special for me to be able to, to be a part of this and to play, you know, the guy who exists up, up in the heights you know what I mean Benny exists there and and has these dreams and has these goals and falls in love with with that culture and 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 wants to pour into it just as much as it poured into him so um and so it's still for a lot of people who I talk to 
and I was just overseas shooting and people just loved the film. And I'm like, oh, wow, like it translates overseas just as well. Um, but it was a, it was definitely a special process and moment for me. It was an opportunity to kind of like, again, it, with all the craziness that was going on to give give people a gift. You know, it's like yeah. take a moment and smile, you know, take a moment and, and look at look at look at life and look at where we are, you know, and, yeah. and, and not to mention, I mean, there's so many like kind of show stopping moments and sweet moments in the film, but you guys kind of get that kind of transcendent, like big leap of a scene between you and Leslie, where, as you alluded oh, to earlier, uh, literally dancing on the side of a building in New York, like something you, you may have seen in a different kind of a musical, but ne certainly never in the Heights, never in that neighborhood, never in that environment. Um, did that feel like a big swing at the moment where you're like, yeah, this is going to work or like, Wait, what the, what the F am I doing here? What's John? Are you yeah. sure this is going to work? Shout out to John Chu because I remember in the meeting, sitting down and talking about it, and he showed us the pictures. And I was like, <laughs> I, I literally went like this, you know, to, to John. And I'm like, looking at the picture, I'm like, did they draw it wrong? Like, what's, what is happening here? Um, he's like, no, no, I'm, I want to put you and Leslie on the side. Benny and Nina is going to, they're on the side of the building. And it's, it, it ultimately became, our Fred and Ginger, you know, an homage, but also it's their version to people who probably don't even know who Fred and Ginger Rogers are, you know what I mean? Sure. But who, who, um, that's their vision of, of love and expression of freedom. And, and it just was beautiful. And yeah. then I was like, John, you know, that, that I was like, that would be great. But you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how y'all accomplish that, you know, with the, with the dancers and the stunt people who are going to be doing it. He was like, nah, bro, that's that's you and Leslie. <laughs> exactly. It's you and Leslie up there. There's no getting away from that one. And uh, and we got the bumps and bruises and scrapes to to prove it actually happened. And um, yeah, it was crazy. Like the building, literally, they built this thing that was this way and then it pulls it and then we're not wearing wires and then it pulls down this way. And then, and then it goes flat and then the camera has to go at the same. It was incredible how they did it, man. And uh, it was our last, one of our last days of shooting too. So it was a special note to kind of end on. Must be, yeah, those, those days where you're like, oh, I'm in a movie. I'm in a movie movie right now. It must be like kind of, kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, it makes you look back and go, hmm, okay, I see all that first year stuff at Juilliard. Right. It might pay off. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling around, pretending to be a, a goat, now paid off finally. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On the side of a <laughs> And now you can say you know Batgirl. Leslie has uh, has succeeded and has become a, a full-on superhero. So yeah, as she as she should. And I knew from the moment we met, it was one of those, it was the first day we met, we were it was like a storybook sort of thing. <laughs> walking down opposite ends of a windy New York street Aww. and we meet up at the, <laughs> at the door and we both put our hands on the door. Cause we were lost, you know, both kind of looking around and, and getting the elevator. And it's like, wait, are you, you know, and I knew she's just special. She just, and not only that, you know, her talent, it was her first job acting as well too. So oh, to see that um, freshness and that uh, innocence and just her uh, just open, she's just such an incredible person and soul and so um i'm lucky to i was lucky to share the screen with her and my other cast so so speaking of the batgirl thing uh, you can't have any, a conversation with an actor in 2022 without talking superheroes any actor between yeah. 18 and 50 has been up for mm -hmm. 15 different superhero roles you were you were in iron man 3 
I was. Is your eligibility card up for Marvel? Have you have you asked Marvel? Wait, can I get another shot? Because <laughs> well, Navy Op or whoever that guy was is not is it not enough for me? It was Navy Op. Wow, it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess Marvel does do the thing where, like, you know, some people appear earlier in, in different roles. But I'm again, I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm. It, it has to be the right thing, you know. And I, and I. You know, I, I love I love the films. Like I watch all of the films deep from DC to Marvel, you know, comic books, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, if it's cool and, and it actually makes sense and then, you know, there's something to say, then cool. Yeah. But yeah. but, you know, I, I'm 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 sort of uh, sort of taking my time and just and just making sure that it's, again, the right thing, because, you know, there have been opportunities and and I'm 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 just lucky that i'm on the path that i'm on now is there is there one like franchise or whatever that like the child in you would just lose their mind to be a part of like were you oh um like you mean like in terms of like like an action comic or yeah whatever you know whether it's like harry potter or a specific comic or james bond or what is like it was it it was it was mission impossible for sure it was mission impossible (laughs) You, and, you you belong on the IMF team. That let's, that could happen. That's totally can listen, happen. I I I, I, want, I want to run the team. You know, like that's <laughs> I I want the Tom like I watched Tom Cruise like get out of any situation. And again, that brilliant music, the dun, 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 dun. like that was so cool growing up, man. Like I was just like like I remember rolling around on the floor like to oh man. I was I was a geek nerd over uh, the Mission Impossible sort of franchise, and the fact that it's still going and people still eat it up uh, is a testament to again the sort of stardom and um, and and the seriousness in which you know Tom Cruise and and that his whole team sort of yeah. takes that. I just think is really uh, fresh and really dope still after all this time. So have you put it out to the team, like you know, just let them know if they need a guy to hang I off called the side Tom of the plane yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I called him. He did. He, he, he's yeah. He's he's still shooting the eighth and ninth, tenth, eleventh. <laughs> running on a rooftop somewhere, taking exactly. the call. Can't talk right now. Can't talk right now. I gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it'll happen. It'll happen. We're gonna secret it out into the universe. Um, yeah, we'll on a much see. different aspect. Okay, we talked a little bit about Macbeth. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean the Coen Brothers. I know this is Joel's first solo adding, but the Coen Brothers are like basically my favorite filmmakers. Like I just they're, they're the best. Um. And this film, I don't know, for, for folks that have watched a ton of the Coen Brothers work, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, it actually has a lot in common theme-wise to a lot of Joel's work in the past. Yeah. Um, talk to me about, I don't know, like, is it all on the page when you kind of get the the, the, the script version of this Macbeth? Is it, does it say it's in black and white? Does it say it's, does he say it's going to be shot on sound stages? Like, it's a very specific vision, of course. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the first First of all, again, you know, creators first, obviously, you know, it's like Joel, Denzel, Francis, done. Like there's <laughs> not, there's, I, I will, I will literally be a tree in the background in black and white, whatever, <laughs> whatever you need me to do. Um, um, just, I don't even have to be in the movie. Just let me sit in the room and watch the sauce get made. Um, I, you know, it does all have to be on the page. And I think, again, that's that's what it, that's what I mean, like, in talking about, like, franchises and all that kind of stuff. Like, it has to be on the page, you know yeah. what I mean? 
I mean, it's not a windfall. It's not financial for me at this point. It's just if it makes sense. And that's the beauty about Joel is he's dutiful in that he's he's, um, you know, all they've always just been disciplined about the writing, their writing as a team. Um, and now you have Joel taking this piece of Shakespeare, which is Cohen's before the Cohen's existed. You know what I mean? Um, and, and they've always sort of been uh, in sort of conversation with each other, you know, like it's like this particular play, uh, Macbeth and, you know, the thriller, the sort of noir-esque, the, the sort of how everything sort of comes back in the end and bites, bites you in the ass, you know, mm-hmm. that's sort of, it's, it's all very much in his wheelhouse and yet just enough to, again, push him outside of his comfort zone. I remember the first time we sat down, he was, Joe was like, you know, you probably know more about this than I do. And I was like, <laughs> me? You talking about, I don't know. Um, you know, it's just his trust in easygoing sort of nature was really uh, incredible and lent itself to the process of making this movie. Like that whole rehearsal process, man, there was nothing, there's just nothing like it. I, I just, I, I pinch myself every time thinking about the fact that I got to, I'm like, did it really happen? Because the movie feels like a dreamscape. You know, I'm like, did I dream all of this up? You know, it's just such an incredible opportunity as an actor to be able to sit in that room with them. So when you when you have a satisfying day at work doing a scene opposite Denzel, I mean, the goat, the guy, like the the, the, the one that we all put on the pedestal, justifiably so. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got some intense stuff, needless to say, as Macduff opposite his Macbeth. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, do you sleep? particularly well that night? Do you remember like a certain kind of different satisfaction after completing certain scenes with Denzel? I would say he makes it so easy to, to, he gives you everything you need. Like, that's the first thing, like, that's the one thing about, about him and that he's, he's generous in his work and generous in his work in the way that like, you know, if his character has to put up obstacles, he will do that. You know, he serves the story and he serves it in a way that makes it so much fun to be opposite him. It makes it, I mean, just even the, even the fights, even the fight scene at the end, I mean, the way we beat through that, we didn't, me and Dee didn't actually, because he was working on other parts of the film. It was after the shutdown, COVID, you know, it was just, it was a lot. And, and Dee, in my my first time working with him on that fight was that day, right before we started shooting. Wow. So, <laughs> so we beat through that thing in the same way you would beat through a scene, in the same way you would beat through just understanding why and the how and the you know, um, and then we 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 just we let it all go because we knew we trusted the work, the weeks and weeks of rehearsal um, to just go in there and and allow ourselves. And again, there's no words to sort of say you know. Um, Cause you know, I finished the day and then you start thinking, you're like, did I do this right? Did this this go right? And did this, but um, I have to say, you know, just, just getting that nod from, from, from Denzel after a scene or, or, you know, being able to, to say, okay, you know, it's not, okay, we did that. We killed it. It's just sort of like, you know, we, we served the story in the way we had to serve it. And um, I'll never forget, you know, you know, it's just it's just a classic classic moment. 
Um, I asked you for a, uh, as I've been asking everybody, for a comfort film, and it's uh, oh, yeah. it's it's from a it's from a writer that you referenced earlier. I know you have a bit of a history with a production of of this work. Um, tell me why oh, you, why this one yeah. why this one came to mind. What did you choose? Uh, I chose Raising in the Sun uh, as my as my uh, a film that I find comfort in the 1961 uh, version. Sidney Poitier. I mean, Diana Sands, Claudia, you know, you like uh, um, Ruby D. I just, I literally, you, when you watch this movie or when I watch this movie, it reminds me that even back then, like our greats, those were our, our, our greats, you know? And it just, uh, to see, I, I got the opportunity to play Walter Lee Younger on stage at Juilliard. It was our fourth year production. And prior to that year, they had never done an August Wilson play. So that so they were just sort of starting to sort of turn this point. We were like, we want to do Hansberry. We want to do Lorraine Hansberry. And we fought, like we fought to get it done. And, and the, you know, they they were, they were like, yeah, this feels right for your class. And I got to do it with my classmate, Daniel Brooks, you know, who's killing it right now. Oh, yeah, sure. um, and Jakina Calacango, Tyron, Aaron Moten. Um, and for me to see this film translated, um, I'd see that play translated on onto film and to live on forever. Um, it was, it's special. It's one of those things where only on film can you feel the sort of walls closing in on Sidney Poitier. And can you feel that hunger, you feel that desire for all of the characters, Ruby Dee's character as well, uh, Mama's character. Um, and you, you literally, are stuck inside that apartment. So you get it, you get the thing that he's driving. To, and anybody who, who has ambition and drive and goal understands that feeling of being stuck and wanting to get on the other side. Macbeth understands that feeling of being stuck and wanting to get on the other side. And, oh man, I just, every time I, I could quote any, I just, I just love that film. Um, and I just love the, the black excellence that is on that on screen. Uh, for anybody to see at any time, and I, I recommend to people just to take a moment and sit with the with the youngers because it, it just talks about so much. Man. Is yeah. there is there a scene in particular with, with, with Sidney Poitier that that jumps out at you as just excellence, mm. as just acting excellence? Ooh, ooh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it, man. <laughs> oh man, because it also it reminds me. It also reminds me why, you know. You look at Morgan Freeman. You look at Denzel Washington. You look at, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, and 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 you know, you look at Viola. You know, you see the the you see the fruits sure. of all of their labor. You know, in 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 the people who we now call our greats, and um, and I, I I know the moment for me is the very end when Lindner comes back in and and he assumes that they're gonna you know sell the home and they're not gonna move to the white area. And Sydney is standing there in front of his son who's looking up loving, longingly at his father. And it's giving me chills. And like, uh, and he's literally sitting there and he makes the decision in that moment to go ahead and do the thing that scares him the most, you know, to move into the white neighborhood, to not take the money, you know, um, integrity. So that's, that's what it reminds me of every time I watch that movie. Um, it's a joy. It, it really is. It takes me on a roller coaster ride. 
It's, it's a great pick. A little context just for the audience. If, if, if somehow they're not so familiar with the Raising the Sun, it, it's, it's from Lorraine Hansberry, who I didn't realize passed very soon after this yeah. film, just at the young, very age young. of 34, I believe. And yeah. uh, based on very the play young. in 1959. And yes, this adaptation was in 1961. And you mentioned the amazing cast, Sidney Poitier, Ruby D. I think it was Louis Gossett Jr.'s debut film. Louis Gossett Jr. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Playing George Murchison. Yes. Yeah. So an, an excellent pick. Thank you for that, man. Um, yeah. And just as we wrap up, I know you have some stuff in the can, some stuff to look forward to. What, what were you shooting overseas? You mentioned <laughs> most recently. Uh, I was shooting um, the last voyage of the Demeter uh, for Amblin uh, and, and Universal, and it's a it, it basically expands on a very very small chapter that gets overlooked um, about the voyage, Dracula's voyage from you know to to London, and right. so um, but it's an incredible cast, it's an incredible thriller, and again, it's a psychological journey a period piece it's i mean it's just it's one of those again challenges that i was like i can't say no to because it's it literally is all on the page and you wouldn't yeah. normally think about think that with a film in this genre but um but it gives you everything man and i i'm and you know so i'm really happy with the work that i know the cast did and our director andre overdahl um who i've been a fan of for years uh, ever since like Troll Hunters. Right, 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 yeah. Um, so to watch his evolution, you know, autobiography of Jane Doe, and then now this this film, uh, I think it's going to be really cool. And then we have uh, uh, Color Purple uh, yeah. coming up as well. You haven't shot that yet. That's coming up, right? That's is that No, no, that? no. Yeah, yeah. We haven't shot that yet. Um, we, we're about to start uh, production in, in a month or so. So, that's, a, that, that's a chill, low-key kind of project. Not, 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 I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, who you know, it's just, I, I, again, I'm, I'm super thankful. I'm working back again with Scott Sanders and Mar Jacobs, uh, my producer from In the Heights. That's the problem. When you let people know you can sing, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, no. I hope I don't mess this up. Um, I got the beautiful, like, I mean, it's just great. Like, you know, Oprah and, and Spielberg sort of like welcoming me to play Harpo in this, in this version. Um, you know, a musical which has never been done on film. Um, and Alice Walker wrote me a beautiful note about um, being her Harpo in this. And so uh, I feel the responsibility, um, the legacy, and the weight of it. And it's going to be a joy. Blitz Bazawule is, is the director, an incredible mind and, and, and a force. And so I'm, I'm happy to join up with them. Amazing, man. Congrats on everything. You're, you're, again, surrounding yourself with the right people, and you can only do that if you've got the chops, and you clearly do. Um, Thank you, man. Big fan of your work, buddy. Uh, In the Heights, people should still check it out if they haven't had the, the chance. And The Tragedy of Macbeth, Um, again, you know, what do you want? Yeah. Francis, Denzel, Joe Cohen. What more do you want, people? What do you want? <laughs> I, can literally, I mean, you got people have to see this movie, man. It, it's a cinematic, I honestly think a cinematic masterpiece, and, and hopefully people will just a new way of looking at this, this classic that we all love, you know? Um, and even if you don't know it, it's like music, you feel it, you know? So. And if you don't lose some sleep from, is it Catherine Hunter? Do I have her name right? As oh my goodness. Yeah. God. Come on. <laughs> I love her. Come on. Catherine Hunter is just, just, I mean, in the opening beats of the, just, just yeah. her performance, man, is just incredible. This cast is phenomenal. Good stuff, man. Thanks for the time today. Real, a real pleasure to get to know you, buddy. Thanks, man. Same with you, man. Appreciate that. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. 
I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>